and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. I forgot how we intro this show, so... Actually, the show intro should go that you're Lemuel and I'm Amity. But that's not right. People like you best. So I have to be you to mm-hmm. not be liked? Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm very confused. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to follow your logic. Sick burns. I wasn't sick burning. I was legitimately trying to follow <laughs> I don't even your know what that logic. means. I'm too old to understand what that means. Alrighty. So... I can qualify for a senior discount. Congratulations. Yes. It's not true most places. No, it's not. This week, on this show that we do, we watched Creep Show 2. Creep Show 2. And I need to issue an apology to everyone, because this movie is problematic as hell. From, like, the beginning until the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know some of it was going to happen, so I am sorry. I did put a content warning in our show description last week. If you were going to watch, uh, I don't know if y'all look at the show descriptions, but every week I say you what should. we're doing next and where you can watch it reasonably priced streaming, right? So I'm doing that, and th- last week I put in a CW for sexual assault, um, r- racism could also have been in there. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's Those a lot. Those two things. There's a lot. So, yeah, this one's a rough one, y'all. Uh, do you want to jump right in, or do you want to tell me how your week was? Uh, how was your week? Uh, it was fine. I watched Creep Show too, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the the highlight of our week was a gas leak. Um, in well, there our was house. some drama. There was some drama. So it's I I remember this film only in that that I it, there were just a lot of unpleasant people getting their their due. I think yes, which is um, the same theme as the, the prior one, first one, but there was sort of. More in this well, case. Also, okay. Also, that first film felt more artful to me. Yeah, this one felt a bit like a money grab. Right. Uh, now, this movie was directed by a man named Michael Gornick, mm-hmm. who I don't. Do you have any familiarity with no, this person? No, I'm not familiar with his work. I. Uh, um, the first one was uh, George Romero, and he took a great deal of care to. To actually photograph it in the same colors and with floating panels framing the images, and it was a really artful film. This kind of feels pedestrian by comparison. So it looks like he has produced or directed Stephen King's Golden Tales, which was Golden Tales. Yes. It was a 1985. It wasn't. It's not on my list, so I'm so sorry we skipped it. Uh, it was a compilation of five horror stories from Tales from the Dark Side that were written by Stephen King. So they're tale, It's all Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Uh, okay. That were based on Stephen King stories, right. which, um, when we talk about this film, uh-huh. there were supposed to be five. Uh, stories, and one of them ended up getting moved into a Tales from the Dark okay. Side episode. Um, he also um, directed uh, several, as we said, several Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Um, oh, I see. He did the word processor of the gods Tales from the Dark Side episode, which is a short ca- story by Stephen King. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It's just that I never... There. Okay. This one, and then he directed um, two episodes of this TV series, Monsters, 
and then the Golden Years TV show, TV show okay. which we will be watching now, shortly. What I'd like to say is apologize to all the diehard Stephen King fans, but not every word that he wrote needs to be immortalized. No, it's true. And Word Processor of the God, which I remember reading, which was one of the first things I read by him, I thought, well, why the hell is this guy so popular? Because it was very predictable and very dull. Was um, it one of the ones that was like published in um, I don't even Playboy or something? Somebody gave me a copy of, it was reprinted somewhere, which I read it because I, I wouldn't read Playboy, I guess. But, okay. <laughs> Which is not to say that Playboy isn't a it fine, was fine magazine. It totally printed in Playboy right. um, under the title The Word Processor in 1983. So I didn't know that. I just well, called it, and I knew that he'd been published a number of times I certainly would have read it in Playboy in 1983, because I would have been um, in middle school, that I guess, That feels at the like time. the perfect time. Well, no, you wouldn't have been reading anything. And right. if you had a Playboy in your hands no, this was, at the age of 14, it wouldn't have been This is when I stories. was discovering uh, reading, I think. It's like I moved into uh, the school that I was attending, a private school, had rented space from the YWCA in downtown Oakland. And um, we wound up taking trips to the library all the time. So this is me discovering Arthur Conan Doyle and Edgar Rice Burroughs and all okay, the people well, who became part of my life. You sound like a big fucking snob right now. Yes, yes I am. So I'm going to maybe cut that out. No, we'll don't. See. I own being okay. a snob. All right. Cool, I'm cool, cool. Good. So Stephen King did not write the screenplay for this. George Romero mm-hmm. wrote the screenplay for right. this. Um, but do you agree with me that it's sort of, it's very pedestrian looking compared to how careful George Romero was to remind us that this was a comic book this story? This movie felt like they wanted money, but they didn't want to spend any. There was no spend money mm-hmm. to make money at ethos in this. It right. felt super cheap. It felt very rushed. Um, and it felt um, extraneous in a lot of ways. And right. we'll get into some of that. So let me give you the one-sentence synopsis. Okay. I'm going to do a one-sentence synopsis for three different stories. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing. I just cannot get through my thick head. Three more bone-chilling tales that include a vengeful wooden Native American, a monstrous blob in a lake, and a hitchhiker who wants revenge and will not die. Some of that is true. Okay. Mm. So, it also has a through story in a cartoon mm-hmm. of a child named Billy... Who seeks and receive or seeks out and gets revenge. All right. Now I'm I'm very glad that you chose to say wooden Native American. I I read it off of the thing. <laughs> right. I read it off IMDb. That makes me very happy. Um, I would like to add that as a person of Native American descent, this is a cigar store Indian. And this is same. A, I will say the is, same thing. And also There's um, no there's that first story is a little hard to know where to come down on that it's, side. Uh, yeah, it's on which wild. side of the story to come down on because it's about a an elderly couple. Well, wait. Let's start with the outside story. Oh, the outside story. So the outside story, which is overdrawn in mm-hmm. my opinion, I did not care for the animation style in this. So we start with Tom Savini in makeup, but it's not Tom Savini's voice as the creep. And then he transforms into a cartoon, and at once he throws the pile of the Creepshow magazine onto the ground, 
And then Billy is there, and he's the one that picks it up first all of the time. And he he grabs it, and that's it. That's the whole thing. Well, but it transitions <laughs> from away. live action to animation. It does. And so then we're treated to a very... Um, the level of animation reminds me of like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It's not particularly spectacular. Yeah, it's very heavy lines. Right. The... It's... Every, the the child Billy, our uh-huh. main protagonist, we see him as a live child, and he's maybe twelve. Uh-huh. The animation up close would have you believe that this is a ninety-seven year old man. Like he's got weird wrinkles and dents in his face. It's very I, I think odd. That what um, what they were attempting is to imitate because the original film George Romero framed his his compositions to look like panels from a comic book, right? That was this sort film, of put aside for this. Right. Which was really careful and really made it visually intriguing, even when the story, like the happy birthday story or um, the story involving Ted Dance, and I forget the name of it with the yeah, character's name. Those stories were not as visually interesting as the other two. But it got carried over by the style right. and the effectiveness of the practical effects. Those things are mostly lacking in this version. This this movie feels very much like a first take Orama. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like we went at some shit and we're here today, so let's get this done because right. it all needs to be returned by the weekend. Like But what I mean is that there is visually there's not as much that works in this film. Right. It's not interesting to because watch. Because it doesn't feel like anybody took any time to do right. any blocking. Yeah. Or any... And, and I don't know if that's because... I It feels like it's because they were like, you have a very small amount of money and a very small amount of time, mm-hmm. so just make a movie. Uh, but there are parts of it that work. The first story... So the first story is uh-huh. actually probably the best one. Yeah, I would say so. It's got a problematic-ass title, and it's, Mm. like, got some problematic things in it. So, it's called Old Chief Woodenhead, and you want to tell us what it's about? It's about an elderly couple, and and this is where the interest was for me, as a person who loves movies. George Kennedy, uh, Joe Petroni himself. I don't know what that means. Uh, He played George Petroni, or Joe Petroni, three times in the airport movies. Oh, okay. As the guy who's always rescuing the airplane that has a hole in it, it's... Crashed into the Bermuda Triangle. These are the movies that Airplane was mocking. Mocking. And gotcha. they're hysterical because it's about the They're not troubling. supposed to be hysterical. Right. They're supposed but to be serious. The, the trend was to have the most ridiculous airport-oriented disasters right. possible. These are disaster movies The in pilot airports. gets sucked out of the window and there's no pilot in the airplane. The plane crashes underwater and it's flooding. And just stuff like that. And he was the guy. George Kennedy was the engineer, the airplane engineer who figures out how to race against time and help Charlton Heston rescue everybody. That's basically the job. He did okay. that three times in a row. But it's anyhow. those two in all three movies? Uh, no, no. It's, okay. he's, it's He's the only character who returns. It's okay. an all-star cast. That makes cast. a little bit more sense. It's like, I'm just sometimes like... it's Burt Lancaster, sometimes it's Jack Lemmon, but it's always... Gotcha. You know... Some strapping young right. hero and George Kennedy. <laughs> right. And they, they save the day, and there's always you know some sort of you know Dolly Bird kind of stewardess who needs help, and... There's a nun and Did who's given up on her. Did you just Dolly yes, Bird? it's an old expression. Take it out. Um, I hate there it. There was, like, the nun who's given up on her faith. 
the woman. It's with fine. The, uh, we get it. It's <laughs> hysterical, though. I mean, mm-hmm. if you like camp movies, those are great. Well, you could just watch Airplane. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. That's basically <laughs> like... it. So, George Kennedy and Dorothy L'Amour. This was Dorothy L'Amour's last His last film, sadly. Uh, they're in a small southwestern town called Dead River, and they run a store that's uh, been... Attention's been, or rather, customers are diverted away because it's no longer along the main highway. Right. And the, I, it seems like whatever the industry in the town is, isn't mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Uh, they do serve a large Native American population, and they do have a huge wooden Indian on the front of their store. This is not a racist thing, because no. his customers are largely Native American. There are, is a lot of respect shown right. between the Native American elders that we see and this elderly couple. They are not the problematic right. part. <laughs> see, cigar store Indians were a part of life in the West for right. a very long time. And if you visit historical towns like places in Nevada or Arizona or California... Anywhere along Route 66. You will see them, <laughs> yes. Right? And they are as problematic and emblematic as lawn jockeys right. are in the South, which are horrifying, too. Yeah. Hitchin Post designed to look like... A tiny black man. Tiny black man. Yes. Um, so there's... It, but I forgot it, that that's a thing, and now right. I'm just sad. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but, it's okay. White people, so, we are great. So the, the, um, the Spruce family has lent money to a Native American tribe. Well, they've been giving right. stuff away on credit because they run basically like a general store. Right. So one of the elders there decides to come back and put give them the loan of some turquoise and silver jewelry that's very valuable. It's the, the most valuable belongings a small, very impoverished tribe has. Right. It's uh, from all of the families. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you take these and hold them and uh, for two years. And if we have not paid off our debt to you within two years, these belong to you. And to his credit, uh, Ray Spruce does not want to do this. No, but immediately. The elder explains he's like, to him, no. Then we're beggars. Yes. And so Don't make a, us right. beggars. And that was a, I think that was the best realized moment because there's some sort of, there's a mutual respect between the two men and the way that they deal with each other. It's like, right. don't make me a beggar. I'm giving you something. Right. You've given us something. We're giving back. Right. Um, so... He leaves, and the elder leaves, and as he does, he nods to old Chief Woodenhead, who seems to nod back to him. Yeah, there's a little bit of a magical realism at this right. point. Um, and he basically, I think, says, like, take care of everything. Right. Like, just so, watch over this. Later that night, the spruces are robbed and murdered by uh, the elder's estranged nephew. Who is wearing the longest, blackest wig? It's like a Halloween store right. level wig, but he is swishing it around. It's very long. Mm-hmm. He's like Samson or whatever. Right. Well, he refers to Samson. And he's right. like, I've been growing it out for three years, and it's going to be my ticket to stardom. He's The plan is that they're going to drive to L.A., and he's uh-huh. going to be a movie star right? with his beautiful hair. And he has into, and again, same problem I have with all of Stephen King's stories, the thugs in his stories are like, again, the fraternal order of greasers. They're like guys who are not particularly threatening at all. Yes. There's the heavy set guy who eats too much, 
And I'm not sure exactly what the other guy did that was supposed to make him menacing, but... I have forgotten what... Let me see if I can remember what they were called. And, like, one of the characters' names is, is Fatso, right? And he the... calls one of them Fat Boy and uh-huh. the other one... Like, idiot? Like, he... <laughs> I can't... I gotta... Hold on. Because I gotta remember this. Let's see. Oh. It's Andy and Fat Stuff. So, yeah, he calls him Fat Stuff, but then he calls the other one, like, Pretty Boy or some, or, 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 or more, like, he calls yeah. him something. He is, he is very much abusing both well, of these yeah, dudes. He's the also, alpha male. he's armed. Right. And they are not. Yeah. <laughs> he's the alpha male, and he's sort of writing over these two guys all the time. He, um... And yeah, and the delusion that somehow he's going to go to Hollywood and bed starlets and become a movie star. Yep. He winds up... And he, he demands... Uh, he knows that the Spruces have the jewelry. Right. So he accidentally, as it is in the beginning, he accidentally kills Mrs. Spruce. Yes. He doesn't mean to. He's trying to threaten the, the jewelry out of Mr. Spruce, so he kills her But by he doesn't accident. know what he's doing with a shotgun. And then has to follow up by murdering Mr. Spruce. Yes, so the Spruces mm-hmm. have now given their lives for right. this sacred right. jewelry. And this so, isn't going to go well for Sam, y'all. So or his beautiful hair. <laughs> he winds up uh, tipping over a can of red paint, and as they leave to their locations, Old Chief Woodenhead comes to life, lets out a war whoop, and paints his face with yes. war paint. At the beginning, we see Ray repainting right. the war paint on his cheeks, um, but he, he goes even further. Now, keep in mind, this is a wooden... He's got wooden hands, no mm-hmm. fingers, just, just paddle hands, basically. Um, now, I will say that the statue was very beautiful. Yes, it was. Like and the, that's what I mean by it. There's an inconsistency here because it seems like had there been more care or art put into this segment, it would really be outstanding because the special effect, this is pre-CGI, yeah. of bringing this what very much looks like a wooden figure to life mm-hmm. and the creaky sound effects of it moving around are actually really creepy and they work really well. But again... Is shot in such a pedestrian way that yeah. all the neatness out of it is... Also, the war whoop that he right. does, I don't know if they leaned into funny, because mm-hmm. this is a right. com- comedy film, mm-hmm. right? Ostensibly, it's a horror comedy, and they right. want to leave with the comedy. But the sound that this thing makes is so ridiculous it that you're just yeah. like, well, but... See, because I think that there's moments like, um, to me, one of the best moments, and it's not even in a horror film, scary moments in the film I saw when I was a kid was Jason the Argonauts. When the characters are wandering through this valley of giant statues and they pause for a second and one of the statues turns its head. Oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah. And with this really mm-hmm. burn jangling, grinding noise because it's made of bronze. And that moment scared the hell out of me. It still affects me. And when I'm in, you know, Facebook groups, people who love Harryhausen talk about it going, yeah, that scared the hell out of me. Yeah, right, because you're not expecting right. it, and it's done in a way that is but believable. But the sound effect really sells it of the sort of grinding metal. Yeah, but this metal. war whoop. Mm. This did not work, and it could have. That's the thing. Yeah. It had the promise of being that effective. Uh, Chief Woodenhead then goes on a killing spree. Yeah, so Sam tells his two buddies that mm-hmm. we're going to leave in a couple of hours, so right. go home, get your shit ready, and then we're going to bounce. And they're like, uh, uh, okay. 
And then they all separate, and Fat Stuff, of course, just goes home and sits on his couch, or his fucking Lazy Boy or whatever, watching TV. I'm like, shouldn't you be packing for L.A.? What's going on? element of this film that (laughs) is in the first two segments and ditched in the last one, which is everyone seems to know about or have watched or is currently watching the Cisco Kid. Yes. And I don't understand. It's on the television. I've never seen the Cisco Kid. This is a film, right? No, it's a TV show. TV show. See, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. And they're they're quoting taglines and things at each other. Right. It is abandoned in the third one. Right. They, they just give up on it. But uh, the characters, uh, they're based on O. Henry's characters from a short story called Caballero's Way that was published in 1907. And it's uh, Cisco. The Cisco kid is a heroic caballero who writes wrongs and... and is Pancho? Is that what it, they... It's his sidekick. Of course, there's always a, a sidekick. <laughs> But um, but also, I mean, it was a breakthrough in that in the 50s when it was turned into a television show, it was one of the first Hispanic heroic characters ever put on air. And it was... Was it played done, by a Hispanic yes, person? Actually. Wow! They did lot, it! Yeah, it's like it took years for Zorro to get played by a Hispanic well, person, but... Um, you ask for too much. Right, but it was just a weird uh, kind of through line that everyone's yeah. watching this... For this no reason, and it's never... Show and <laughs> That's the other thing. This... Ostensibly, all takes place in the 80s. <laughs> right. So why are they watching a television show from the 50s? Right. Um, so he wouldn't head moving very slowly. Mm-hmm. Climbs down after painting his face. And now the kids had been driving quite a ways, it seemed like, right. onto the reservation. Um, Woodenhead gets there fairly quickly, even though he moves so slowly. Right. I'm under the impression <laughs> that Woodenhead is sort of teleporting places, more Maybe. or less. Because he just that. appears all of yeah. a sudden. And uh, if he was he'll chasing walk through him, a wall, too. Right. Don't, walls are of no importance. So he's sort of um, a ghost figure, because he appears and reappears at will. That and he's seems right. miles apart. And he moves very slowly. He did right. not walk all that way out there. Yeah. So he kills Fat Stuff and Andy. And then he corners Sam, and Sam tries to shoot him, but guess what? He's made out of wood, and a shotgun has no effect on him, and so he kills Sam. Oh, what does he do to Sam? He scalps him. Of course he does. He grabs Sam by his beautiful hairs, pulls him through a wall, and scalps him, and then we, we, we come up the next morning, and it's uh, Benjamin White Moon, who is the chief, right, the elder that, we've, the seen elder that we've seen previously. I don't know if he's a chief. He's an elder for sure. Wakes up in the morning and he finds a bag containing the turquoise jewelry by his side, covered mm-hmm. in blood. He's deeply upset by this. Uh, he goes to the general store to find Chief Woodenhead on the pedestal, holding Sam's bloody scalp with a bloodstained knife and fresh war paint adorning his face. He is not aware of what has happened to the spruces and what uh, Woodenhead has done. Benjamin wishes the old warrior a peaceful afterlife and drives away. I think he does find out, doesn't he? Uh, he go must, in? I think he does. And so seeing the damage that's done, the carnage, I'm sure that he's Just aware like, of what's happened. Being, and also the nephew scalp. I, I would like to like this more, but again, it's so problematic, it's hard to go, you know what I really liked? Chief Woodenhead. It's, yes. Right. First of all, just saying that sentence mm-hmm. is... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then we have interlude number one, uh, wherein after Billy has read that, 
He and this is Billy the Animated Kid. Billy now. the Animated Child goes to the town post office and he picks up a package because he's sent for a product at the back of the comic, <laughs> which he says is not a comic, but it's definitely a comic. Uh, the skeptical clerk dismisses him for paying $10 in 1986 money, which is a uh, shit ton of money. Kid, yeah. <laughs> for a toy from the funny papers, but Billy's like, it's not the funny papers. You... And it's, it's no, difficult. never in my life have I done this. I don't know if modern people... Well, I guess people buy weird crap over the internet. Yeah. But the joy or of buying... Or off of like QVC and things right, like that. Yeah. Of random things that you saw in the back of a comic book. Fear no man. Here are the secrets of martial arts. It's a booklet that comes with a six-foot-tall paper cutout of all the anatomical weak parts on a man. And so you get the book, and it's basically like... It just says, punch him in the dick. It's a redrawn (laughs) kung fu manual, right, with line drawings that are obviously taken from photographs that were taken from other sources. And then you got your chart for punching people in the head. Or um, my favorite... and I I Uh, There was a lot of, like, x-ray glasses. X-ray glasses, x-ray specs. That was a thing. You can see through people's clothes, really non-consensual, which leads into our next story. Yes. um, There was lots of rubber toys, like, you know, uh, there was a ghost, I remember, a seven-foot-tall ghost, and basically what it was was, like, a plastic sheet that goes over a helium balloon, and you let it around, and that's your seven-foot ghost, but in the drawings in the comic books, it really looked like, oh, my God, that looks terrifying. That's wild. Um, sea monkeys. And then, and it's too late. You have sent them right. your money. And uh, so there are no returns. was a big one. They showed those pictures of these things that look like mermaids and merpeople in a fish tank. And brine shrimp. They're brine, brine shrimp. Brine shrimp, which are hideous <laughs> little things that look like tiny horseshoe crabs that, you know, die by the thousands yes, if the water temperature is It's so... It was just like, yeah, it, it was like. But what does age. Billy get? Billy gets a Venus flytrap, a bulb, a bulb that's or... going to grow into a Venus tra- right. flytrap. Now, I have two problems with this. Okay, I really only have one problem with this. All right, Venus flytraps don't grow from bulbs. I don't think. I don't know. I've never. I've only seen them. I wanted to buy them, but they're expensive. They um. And they're also they need warmth. And my yeah, personality they won't allow for that. Um, I, I'm no. Let's see, is it a bulb? Uh-oh, you have to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, no, I guess they are. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Bulbs. You'll never hear me say that. One to two-year-old plants. Avoid excessive heat. Keep indoors. Avoid excessive handling. They are not pets. <laughs> Do not pet it. Okay. So, uh, so he gets some uh, bulbs now, wait, Venus for Venus flytraps. Second, do you think we have to explain for people in the audience what a Venus flytrap is or why it's unique? Okay. Okay. So, in media, uh-huh. uh, a Venus flytrap is a man-eating <laughs> right. plant. Uh, in actuality, a Venus flytrap is a protein-consuming plant. It eats flies. Or it consumes them. It's they do look like they have mouths. They mm-hmm. are they have these um, sort of ovally heads that open like a clam, and then um, like they look like teeth, but they're like just like right. long leaves mm-hmm. that sort of close over each other, and they will capture 
um, a bug. Right. And then they have almost like digestive en- enzymes inside yeah. of them that break down the bug. Right. They have very into, strong digestive enzymes. Yeah. Um, they, the things that look like teeth actually form like bars around the trapped right. insect. It's, it looks like a succulent. The inside yeah. is very fleshy, and it exudes an odor that attracts the bugs. Oh, okay. I, did, I wasn't sure okay. about that. And they're not very big. No, they're, they're usually very small. Like a half dollar, dollar mm-hmm. coin size, but squished a but little. But what you so might find oblong. creepy, if you've never seen one, is that when an insect lands on it, there's an automatic response on the behalf of the plant to shut in to on it. To shut them. it. They, so, stay, they're, right. they start open like, a, like an open clamshell with a pearl in it. Right. And then as soon as it... Yeah, it feels something it's almost like a trap well there's tiny little fibers on the inside that once they're stimulated it just it closes closes yeah right and, and then the bug can't get out what's and then it and then it gets absorbed what's creeped people out in the past and what continues to is that we're not used to seeing plants just suddenly move yeah no that's right so in little shop of horrors mm-hmm. audrey 2 is supposed to be a venus flytrap but is giant Another carnivorous plant is the pitcher plant. Yes. And that's like at a deep... Yeah, it's the almost pitcher like, plant. Um, it's shaped... It makes me think of a pelican. Right. I like, the, it, like the neck right. of a... Like the weird sack on a It looked to me pelican. like a cobra when I was a kid, when I saw pictures of it. Okay. Because it kind of has this wider it's spatula. You know, it's wider at the top than it is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it has the same thing. It exudes an odor... Insects fly in there, and it's so sticky on the inside they can't get, can't back get out. out. There's several kinds of carnivorous plants like that mm-hmm. that use the same sort of attraction. There's a lot of them in fiction. Day of the Triffids yeah. by John Wyndham, which is a really great book if you ever get a chance to read it. Um, it's about the end of the world and flesh-eating plants, and uh, so a lot. There's a lot of tropes in science fiction about. But these are right. plants that do not harm people because right. they are too small to do. The Venus so. flytrap, as terrifying as the idea of a plant that eats things is. Is actually really tiny. Yes, they're really very small. tiny. And I think I can understand that the warning against touching them because there's an. Ink. I imagine that if you actually had one, you could act, get it to. You could trip. I'd want to know what I'd it felt touch like. It all yeah. the time. But at the same time, I'm like, that has like stomach acid in it. So yes, maybe it does. don't touch it. Right, you don't necessarily <laughs> want to. Um. Okay. So that's so he's he mm. uh, he sets off for home, as the creep presents another tale. And right. that tale is the one that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Now, explain why it scared the shit out of you. I don't know. Because people watching it now might go, you were very sensitive. Yes, I apparently was. Okay, mm-hmm. first of all, I'm pretty sure I saw a television cut of this movie. You must have, yeah. Because there is a portion of this that I did not know was going to happen and was deeply upsetting when it did happen. Um, but they would have cut it for television. Right. Uh, so, four kids who they... The screenwriter... And the director and the kids themselves really want you to know that they are smoking weed. They're definitely smoking weed. Right. These are joints, and they are definitely smoking them. It's the worst. <laughs> it's so terrible. So they're driving to a lake because there's a raft that's left out on the lake until after Labor Day. And they're going to go swimming and apparently get laid in couples. Right. That's the plan. There's a boy and a boy. And a girl and a girl. Uh, a boy with big muscles and a boy with little muscles. That seems to be the thing. And a shy girl and uh, a girl who's DTF. <laughs> that's what we're led that's, to believe. Yes. I, that's, these are the tropes that we are given. 
Uh, Deke and Laverne are the ones that are definitely going to have sex. Randy and Rachel are definitely the ones that aren't. So Rachel has a very unfortunate haircut going into the water. It's and then a different haircut coming out of the water. A terrible wig. Right. I don't know. Like they're trying to make her dowdy by comparison. Yes. Because she's an attractive woman, and they're trying to make her less attractive because the other girl has to be the hot girl. Yeah. So they give her. And the other girl has a uh kind of a Feruza Balk situation going on. I think to me. Really? Yeah, just yeah. dark. But um, the, yeah, the one girl has a haircut that looks like it was administered by a weed whacker. It's yeah, it's not. It's not good. Right? It just, no, what it does, what it is, is it looks like she hasn't had a haircut since she was mm-hmm. eight. Right. And she's like seventeen. Do now. you remember Floby? I know what a Floby is. That's what it reminded me of. There was a Judge John Hodgman episode about a Floby. Oh my god! I didn't think those things were still being made. Oh yeah. Well, even if they're not still being made, you could still have one. Oh, good God. Um, so they swim out to this raft, and on the way out to the raft, Randy sees this um, gross blob, which looks just... You know what it is? It's like a fucking glad bag that's been well, cut it's open. it's a tarp. Yeah, maybe that. It's, it's a, a tarp with stuff on it. It's supposed to be like an oil slick or something, I guess. Well, because... When it interacts with them, it's mm-hmm. definitely gooey. Right. But when we see it in the water, it's definitely not. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, which is good. That's probably right. Like ecologically better. Um, so, you know, Randy sees it and he's like, "Hurry up! Hurry up! Hurry up! Everybody, get onto the the raft!" And um, so they do. And then Deke. I'm trying to... Rachel is the first to go. Does she even... No, she doesn't even... Does she even make... She doesn't even make it to the... No, she doesn't. She um, she gets killed right away. She's I the think. slowest swimmer, and she does not make it to the raft. And it consumes her. And like I said, it's very much like she's covered in black slime. Right. Like the slime that you make mm-hmm. out of glue and... You know, baking soda or whatever it is that kids make slime out of. And um, so then it's Laverne and Deke and Randy. Um, and poor Rachel did not deserve that. And then Deke says, I'm going to swim to shore uh, to get back help. He's the fastest swimmer of all of them. Um, before he can, the blob seeps up through the um, slats right. in the raft. I think that's what scared me was like even being on the raft wasn't safe. Right. And it sucks him back down, and then he's dead. And so it's Randy and Laverne. Now, they've all smoked a lot of bad 80s weed, so they're probably not thinking at their best. They stand on individual slats. At someone, like Laverne makes him carry her for a bunch of time, yeah. and he's like, I'm going to drop you, so I need you to get down and stand right. on your own. Like, I can't stand here for hours and hours and carry your ass. Yeah. And she's like, but I can't, but I can't. Anyways, so she finally, so they end up like sleeping a little, which is probably not safe. Mm -hmm. And then in the morning, so they sleep through the night and in the morning, Laverne is asleep Mm -hmm. and Randy decides to sexually assault her. Right. Because this is the time and place. What the fuck, dude? He, like, pulls up her sweater. Uh She's got a sweatshirt on over her bathing suit. Uh And pulls up her bathing suit. So she's 
exposed, and he's like fondling her and kissing her. And she's saying no. Well, she's well, she not is, saying. No, she's saying no. Oh, does she, she say does. no? She tells him no. She's also asleep. Right. So, what the fuck, dude? She's this was up, not it, in it, the sex room I, that I saw. The impression, well, it wasn't in the one that I saw. I, I saw it. Uh, I was like, what? How? Like, I was right. legitimately like, what is happening right yeah. now? And it was a lot more explicit than probably I expected to. I mean, you didn't need it to go that far to actually demonstrate the fact that he's a creeper. Right. Um, except for the fact that his name is Randy. Um, I uh, I didn't see this one coming because there was almost no preparation for this. I'm no. trying to back and think back in the segment. He, he seems to express about, some jealousy that he does. the other muscle-bound kid is going to get laid. It's going to get laid, and he's only trying to get right. laid like it's Randy. And he talks about himself in the third person. It's never a good sign. Right. Um, but, but but his option got eaten first. So we I don't guess, see him as a rapist. No. And, and then so all of a this, sudden, right. he's a he rapist. Like, right. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, and then it leads to even worse situation, which is finding out that uh, Laverne is, as he's trying to molest her, being consumed by the creature. Right, it's coming up and it's got her head, so she turns her head and half of her face is gone. Right. And then she starts screaming, and then he like backs away from her, and she is... like being consumed and that's when he takes it he's like well I'm gonna bounce like right. now while this thing is busy I'm gonna go and I'm like if this fucking rapist motherfucker right. makes it out of this fuck this movie this is creep show though and like all the EC yeah. comics every horrible person right. gets gets a horrible theirs. fate so so what was what was Rachel's crime I Rachel's crime was smoking pot apparently that that seems to be her thing I'm fucked all right, then, <laughs> so he's swimming and he's swimming, and then, of course, because he's a child, mm-hmm. and we think that we live forever, right. he yells, I beat you, and then it, like, rears up out of the water and then pops over him, and then yes. that's it. <laughs> like a blanket. Uh, but, like, yeah, that sex thing was not... I didn't see that one coming, and it was just really... Gross. And I like if something had prepared you more for that, I suppose if they told you that he was a rapist or a potential rapist, you probably wouldn't have had any sympathy for him surviving to the end of the story. Um, but it was just poorly conceived. It was like, I, yeah, there was nothing um, okay about it. It didn't make any sense for the characters. If you think you're about to die, which he definitely said, because he's the first one to say something's right. wrong because before it had he's eaten anything. approaching the raft, he sees a duck or some kind of waterfowl trying to swim away from trying it. to swim away from it and being trapped. or fly away from it and they can't. So you think he's going to be the smart guy who's like if he figures it out, um, but yeah, it's just he winds up being out of the blue, kind of disgusting. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. So, um, explain to me, what was it that frightened you about this? Was it I the... legitimately don't know, but I think it had to do with mm-hmm. you think you're in a safe place and it's not offering you any right. kind of safety. Safety, right. Like, there was nothing that... They were mm-hmm. fucked. Yeah. Like, as soon as they got into the water, they were fucked and there was nothing they could right. do. And I think that freaked me out a little bit. I was young when I saw it, like I said, and I, like I said, I have no recollection. Right. Of anything sexual happening. Yeah, I didn't... I saw the film on late night TV when I was younger. I did not see that scene. Yeah. I don't remember that yeah, my, I, I must have seen it on television, too, and they must have cut it out. 
Um, I remember him kissing the girl and me thinking that was gross, but I did not remember a topless scene or the fact that it went as far as it did or that she's trying to wake up and she's telling and no. And she's saying no and she's, yeah, no. Right. It was, and she was, certainly uh, didn't deserve what she got either. No. No. Even Deke, who was clearly a tool, right. well, didn't deserve the only, what he got. The character who survives longest is the one who didn't deserve to survive. Right. The only consolation is that he gets his, I guess, in the end. I guess, yeah, but I, yeah, this was not... I didn't need to be a part of it, though. Um, And then we have Interlude 2. So our our animated Billy is ambushed by a gang of neighborhood bullies. Mm -hmm. Um, The gang's leader's name is Rhino, also drawn to be a cool 45 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Takes his package and smashes it, and then he opens it and finds finds the bulb and drops it on the ground after Billy uh, tries to threaten him to give it back and crushes it. In retaliation, Billy kicks Rhino in the groin and flees with Rhino in hot pursuit. The creep then appears and presents another tale. La ultima tale. Now, I have to say this about this story. I actually liked the lead character up to an extent. Up to, yeah. All the way up until she murders a dude and tries right. to get away with it. It's just like, <laughs> it's like she was uh, lovely and problematic and snarky. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I would ask her out. But so, no, she's evil. <laughs> so, this is... <laughs> so we have Annie, right. which this, uh, what I'm reading right now, calls an adulterous businesswoman. But my sense is this woman is not a businesswoman. This woman is a wife. <laughs> this woman is supposed to be at home. Uh, her name is Annie. Her last name is Lansing. We know mm. because her license plate says Lansing 2 and her husband's license plate says Lansing 1. <laughs> and I hate them. So she uh, has stayed too long with her gigolo mm-hmm. and needs to get back before her husband gets home. Uh, she pay- she chucks him 150 bucks. She has bucks. to pick him up, right? From... No. Mm-mm. I thought she had to pick him up. From no, the she has to beat him home because okay. he's always if he says he's going to be home at eleven thirty, right. he's home at eleven thirty. He's not home at eleven twenty-five, and he's certainly not home at eleven thirty-five. Right. He's home at eleven thirty, and she's like, "I've got seven minutes to go twenty-two miles." I think is what she says, and I'm right. like, "Well, fucking good luck," because nope. Um, and she's speeding down a dark road, and she hits a hitchhiker, uh, who is a black man. He's a black guy. What was that? Stephen, like King's Stephen line. King is Some a kind trucker. of black guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a black man, huh? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, in a yellow rain <laughs> yeah. slicker, and it is raining out, so uh-huh. visibility is bad. But mm-hmm. he's wearing a yellow rain slicker. He was also behind, like, behind a blind turn. He right. wasn't in a great spot for right. his life. Do I think he should have been killed and then left by the side of the road? I do not. That is no. not what I am saying. And Annie is like, well, um, I can probably get away with this. <laughs> Basically is what she comes to. Nobody saw I can probably get away with this. If I turn myself in, my life is over. But if nobody saw me, then I'm probably going to be fine. Now, can I live with this? She asks, she's talking to herself out loud in the car. Can I live with this? That's the question. And she's like, well, if I can't live with it, then I can just turn myself in. And I'm like, bitch, you have now run. And it's the run part of a hit and run that really gets you into trouble. So you're fucked at this point. (laughs) So, um, and you, and you're, I, I believe her husband is an attorney. In fact, I know he is because 
her gigolo makes fun of her and says, you better get a good attorney. Because she's right, like, I'm exactly. not getting a divorce. And he goes, better get a good attorney. And she goes, I have one, my husband. <laughs> like, um, And so she continues on her way and keeps passing uh-huh. and striking the same hitchhiker over Who and over again. He keeps asking for a ride. And he's... Well, he d- he, no, not asking for a ride. Thanking her for a ride. Yeah. So there's an element of the comedy comes in here, which yeah. is that every time she hits him, it's not like he's a ghost where he just appears. No, just, he's he, getting worse and worse. <laughs> like he's falling apart and falling apart. Now, we back at the scene of the original crime, uh-huh. her husband has stopped uh-huh. because he was actually following her. So right. if she hadn't had this accident, she totally would have been able to get home before him because he's behind her. But neither here nor there. She, um, so he stops to call the police from his car phone because it's the 80s. <laughs> and Stephen King is stopped in the opposite direction and pulls out a flare. Uh-huh. Um, and is, yeah, making these, oh, it's a Negro, huh? <laughs> Just like, uh, really? I'm not sure exactly what that was meant to do. I'm sure he knows that guy, though. That, that's in his defense. I'm it's sure the he knows dude that, that ends up hitting him. You're right, exactly. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, that's the guy. He's out for some Mars's bars. Um, so he is there and Lansing is there held up. So she has all the time in the world. Unfortunately, she keeps running over this hitchhiker. He's on the top of the car and he's just saying, thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. And every time we see him, more of his face is mangled, piece of it's missing, more and more covered in blood, which is actually... Really hard to tell because he is a dark-skinned man. In a very poorly lit shot. Right. So uh, as he's he's getting shinier, it's right. hard to sort of tell that it's blood because the lighting is not great. Yeah. Like they didn't have, you know, call some people who know how to light black yeah, that, people. That was <laughs> part of, again, what... I feel is really just a failure on the part of the director to respect the material is that he did have stars in this movie. Yeah. L- uh, Lois Childs um, uh-huh. was a former Bond girl. She'd been in Moonraker. That's who's playing right. Annie, right? And she, and in Moonraker, she never got to display the kind of sass she does here, which is really funny. The, the line that I liked was her gigolo tells her that he's saving up money to buy was it a Rolls or a Mercedes? I oh, I think remember. a Mercedes. Mercedes. Or and, a Cadillac. And then charges her by orgasm. You've had yes. at least six. So yeah. the, He's like, because she tries to give him a hundred bucks. Right. And he's like, that was an introductory rate. And I counted by six. I counted right. six orgasms. And she's like, you're going to charge by orgasm? And I'm like, well, that's a gigolo. Right. That's not a terrible way to charge. And her conversation to herself in the car is very funny when she's going, all right, so... I mean, my husband's going to have to forgive me. I mean, look, what a value. $25 in orgasm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, some... she's having this whole conversation. Right. Like, it's very funny. It so. is funny. This is um, Until she right. murders a dude. Until she does something horrible. <laughs> and so I felt bad because I, I actually found her character sympathetic until that point where she does something really unforgivably right. horrible. Right. No, she is. That whole bit is pretty funny where she's right. just like... How am I going to explain where I was? I was with the so-and-so couple. Oh, no, we're going to go see them on Saturday. Right. Maybe I just tell them the truth. And, yeah. and just be like, look at the deal I got. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Which, um, yeah, so that, I, I just... I. Yeah. yeah, that little bit was actually very funny uh-huh. um, and acted well. Yeah. Uh, and then, so 
But after she strikes him, she strikes him over and over right. and over again, flings him from the top of the car. He's coming up from underneath. She then ends up ramming over and over into a tree, mm-hmm. thinking that he is between the her and the tree. So like right. seeing him. She thinks that she's finally getting rid of him and she's um, not. And and then and she knocks herself out. Mm-hmm. Um she comes to and there's nobody. So yeah. she's like, "Oh, finally. I'm going and then she gets herself home. And uh, gets there before her husband, and she's like, the fucking one time, he's not here. When he yeah. says he's going to be here. And she goes to step out of the car, the hitchhiker, is who is now, I don't even think he has a jaw. Like, right. he is mangled. There's not much of him left. Uh, appears from under the car and attacks her while she tries to fight him off. The garage door swings shut, and the interior fills with smoke. And then we get George, coming, her husband, coming home opening the uh, garage door and the smoke billowing out. And, of course, she has died from carbon monoxide poisoning. So the impression I got was this is her guilty conscience. With Um, the hitchhiker's sign mm -hmm. that says Dover around her neck. So, no? I don't know. It's it's left (laughs) ambiguous. I like the idea that she... uh, And her car is uh, fucked up. Right. Her car appears to have been... Not just struck a man, but then struck a tree repeatedly and is torn, like, it's mm-hmm. torn up. Yeah. I liked, um, for the first time in this film, we get somebody who's really considering the consequences of their actions, because she does, part of her conversation with herself is, can you learn to live with what you yeah, just can, did? Yeah, can you live with this? So, I, and I, if you can't, yeah. you can, you got to turn yourself There in. was a lot of, and again, maybe... And if, then when she wakes up, she's like, I think I can live with this. If Romero <laughs> had directed the segment instead of just written it. Because obviously his writing is there. It's very snappy. It's very right. punchy. If he directed the segment as well as um, writing it, it probably would have been really memorable. Right. And that's, again, another missed opportunity that this yeah. film has. Um, and then that's that. And then we get to the epilogue. And mm-hmm. the epilogue, um, we see the creep driving away and he spots Billy being chased by the bullies and he leads them out into a vacant lot with a bunch of overgrowth. At which point, it wasn't the first bulb that he got. He was adding to his collection, and there are three huge, like, building-sized Venus flytraps that go ahead and eat the bullies. But don't eat Billy, because they know who their master is, apparently. And the observation you made was that if he's going to consistently, if he's going to make pets of these, he's going to have to... Find a school bus or something at some point? Yeah, I'm like, well, now he's fed them people, so... He has to become a serial killer. <laughs> Feed me. Exactly. Seymour. Feed right. me. Uh, there's a whole musical about it. Check it out. Um, and then apparently in a post credit scene, following the, the following text appears. And I don't think we saw this. I don't remember this at all. Juvenile delinquency is a product of pent-up frustrations, stored-up resentments, and bottled-up fears. It is not the product of cartoons and captions, but the comics are a handy, obvious, uncomplicated scapegoat. If the adults who crusade against them would only get esteemed up over such basic causes of delinquency as parental ignorance, indifference, and cruelty, they might discover that comic books are no more a menace than Treasure Island or Jack the Giant Killer, which was published in Collier's Magazine in 1949, uh, and would really have shut down Tipper Gore. <laughs> Explicit. Well, the DC Comics uh, were um, 
were the, the reason why we have the comics code was parents groups having reactions against EC comics, things like Tales from the Crypt and all. And yes, yeah. So, um, and, and in some cases, rightfully so. There were some stories that took things way too far mm-hmm. in terms of really graphic violence and, and gore and and they were nightmare-inducing. Kids loved that stuff. I remember these comic books, because I, I think I mentioned that with the first creep show. My dad's barber used to have them. Oh, interesting. Um, and when he would go get a haircut, I'd sit there and mm-hmm. just read them and then have nightmares <laughs> for the next three days. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, those were, those were, I, I appreciated them. I'm not not sure my jam. Them. Here's my yeah. problem with comics, because I did not grow up reading them. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with my eyes. So I will really? read all of the words, and mm-hmm. then I will have missed everything that was in the pictures. Yeah. So then I'll go back and look at all the pictures, but then I'll have forgotten what the words told me. And so I, I have trouble taking in image and word mm. together to to provide meaning. So it, I usually have to read comics three times. <laughs> yeah, they got better on the second or third reading. I think, uh, and that might just be because that's the. I might be better at it now because we watch everything captioned. Right. I'm used to getting textual and visual at the same time, but I have trouble reading comics because I'll get to the end of a comic and I'll be like, I didn't look at any of the images. I'm sure I missed over half of what I was supposed to get. Uh huh. Whoops. Let me go back. (laughs) If you got a really. Even with the EC comics, uh, Bernie Wrightson, there were some other artists who just did really amazing, weird work. And Wally Wood, they were a lot of fun to watch, uh, or to read, rather, and watch. I guess there's different media now. People are inundated with media, so it probably wouldn't have the same effect. So I've done a thing which I cannot recommend to anyone, Uh and that is to read reviews and comments on IMDb. It's a shit show down there. Don't do it. And here's why. In a user review from 1999 for this movie, I this is... Don't try and fucking tell me that rape culture doesn't exist. Okay. This is from the middle of this... Why did you do this? ...article. It's, it's a, it's a seven, 7 out of 10 star review. Wow. That's generous. Quote, And a moment that will have you rolling... As in laughing very hard. Uh-huh. And that will give teenage boys ideas and have men remembering fondly when they may have done it is where the surviving guy takes a peek under the surviving girl's sweater. Good to see where the dude's priorities are. Two of his friends are dead. He's nearly been killed and he decides a good time to look at boobies. I loved it. Wow. He doesn't just look at them, first right, of all. Right. But what the fuck, dude? Right. <laughs> Like, okay, if you've done what this dude did, you are a sexual assaulter. Don't do that. Don't think it's okay. It's not okay. Oh, <laughs> so upsetting. Don't look in the user reviews in IMDb. I know better, and still I did. I, I do it every once in a while. You find something interesting. Yeah, but 98% this of that stuff that, is garbage. Right? Please don't yeah, do it, it. All right. Um... So that brings us to the end of Creepshow 2. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Y'all don't watch this movie. It's It's got pieces that could be good, mm-hmm. but nothing it's, makes it there. It fails at the opportunities it has. And that's kind of what makes it disappointing, is that 
you had in the last segment a well-developed character that you could have gone different places with. In the first segment, you had a sympathetic story that you could have gone places with. But in both cases, it just it fails to make anything out of what it has in terms of material and all. Yeah, it's it's not. I can't yeah. recommend it. Um, but I can recommend other things. Would you want to recommend a thing? I would like to There's actually a couple of things, but what I would like to recommend is the current season of Stranger Things, which we just Woo-woo, finished last season week. Season three. Uh, there is a lot of great stuff to it. I feel like um, I can't give away too much because there's some really nice yeah, development. Catch up to, on it. If you haven't watched the first right. two seasons, then watch season three. There is some really good development to some of the characters. Millie Bobby Brown is eminently watchable. Right. Uh, I had some issues with Hopper, the character. Uh-huh. Um, he's a little bit abusive. He's a lot abusive. Well, I think it's almost consistent with a person who's never learned how to relate to other people. Though. It is. And so... But it, it's still a little yeah, like... he does. He makes some choices and... Bracing and could right. be triggering for some people. Um, I think generally he wants to be good. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Um, but I enjoyed the whole thing. Even though... Here's the thing with Stranger Things. Uh-huh. I enjoy it while I'm watching it. I think about it fondly for two weeks. I forget it completely. That's pretty much <laughs> what's happened the last two episodes or two seasons, and I presume that that's what's going to happen again with this season. I, I actually, I think that I, well, I really appreciate how the story grows in scope and it builds on whatever they do before. Yes, I do like that. Which is really good. I like the idea that they bring in characters who are popular in 80s films to come back and play 80s-type characters, right? Um, there were some new characters that are really well-developed, uh, and I don't want to spoil that for anybody because there's just so, there's a lot of good stuff in it, and the story builds. It's not too it long does. this time. Yeah, it, no, I don't think so. It, it, was it, a qu- it was a quick eight episodes this season. And it just it goes by at a speed to where it... Um, you you get characters, you don't have to go into each of the characters, not reintroduced to you all over again. So it really is necessary to see the first couple of seasons. But uh, Millie Bobby Brown does do a really good job of humanizing a character that up until now has been, you know, an X-Man or something. It's They're playing into her humanity now, and she has a girlfriend that she hangs out with, and they go to the mall, and there's a lot of great stuff about her learning how to be a human. And also, a really good lesson learned by her boyfriend. Yes. Uh, Mike it, Wheeler, it, right? Yeah. About yes. how to have a girlfriend and how yeah. to relate to feelings. There's that, a lot of, hey, right. conversations are important. Friends don't lie, but boyfriends lie. Right. That's like a thing. Um, there's some, yeah, interesting female friendship stuff. Uh, interesting first relationship stuff. Uh yeah, I, I like it a lot. And also, um, the kid that plays Will is not asked to do much in these shows. Typically, he is ill or missing. Right. <laughs> Has been. He's the Justin Bartha from um, from the Hangover films in these. Right. Uh, but he's very good in this. He has a much bigger part. And and But he's also offering a... 
different viewpoints. So we've got two couples uh-huh. and then another long distance couple. Right. And then he doesn't have a partner. Yeah. Um, and it is indicated that he is not in any way attracted to anyone. Or interested in girls. That's the Interested the, the in girls right. or boys. He may be setting up to be an asexual character yeah. or a gay character down the line. Um, but that's dealt with in a really interesting way where, where they're, you know, angry kids will blow up and say things like, right. well, it's not my fault you don't care about girls or whatever. Or, yeah. And the there's no ostracism, but there is acknowledgement that there are differences that yeah. are coming out in each of these characters. Because, uh, yeah, Sadie Sink, as a matter of fact, the women here really pull it off. The young woman, uh, yeah. her character is really very funny. Also, Lucas's little sister is uh, Yes, she is hysterical. <laughs> she gets to come into her own in this uh, season. Amaya Hawk plays a really interesting kind of uh, cynic who works the ice cream shop. Yes, uh, great character. Yeah, she for, is a great to, character. To bond with Steve Harrington. I don't want to give away some of the surprises no. that happened there, but she's great. I loved her. She was like, oh my God. There. Yeah, and there's a really nice scene between her and Steve that is handled so And Steve beautifully. is becoming just like one of the most upstanding guys, and because he is, uh, he started the season, or started the show almost Shows. as a villain. Yes. Um, as a jerk. His development, his story arc has brought him to be just it, a hell of a nice guy. It's really nice. It's nice right. to see. It's like, oh, look at this growth. Right. And Bullies are capable of growth. Right. So it's, it, and also this time the monster is really horrible. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. Y'all. It's, it, a, it's a literal pile of yuck. Also, <laughs> the amount of death in this small yeah. town is wild. And they, they, they play into that too. That too. Why are there so many people dying here? Is it Helltown? Welcome to Hell? What was the sign that's... <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yes. But it's, it is very much like a, a Hellmouth situation right. um, from Buffy. So... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it was a really good season. They did a lot of really good stuff. There's... Uh, the, yeah. All of the characters get to have their moments... Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I love the season. So, what's your recommendation? So my recommendation is an old movie. I talked about it on my Facebook old page. Old movie. <laughs> so, if you, it's not that old. Um, <clears throat> if you follow me on Facebook, mm-hmm. you will have seen that I watched this movie recently. I haven't even finished it. I've got 20 minutes left. It's very long. That movie is a time to kill. So, uh, the other night, I wanted to watch a Sandra Bullock movie. Mm-hmm. You wanted to t- kill time, but not well, with, Yeah, but I was like, I love Sandra Bullock. She is eminently watchable to mm-hmm. me. Um, I've seen most of the things that she's done, so this is like uh, comfort food, right? Right. So, I was like, oh, I want to watch Two Weeks Notice. Well, Two Weeks Notice wasn't streaming anywhere. So, I go and I go under the Roku and I type in Sandra Bullock and it gives me a list of all of the movies I could watch by her and right. I choose... A Time to Kill, which is not like Two Weeks Notice in any way other than Sandra Bullock is in it. This is a movie based on a John Grisham uh, novel. Now, granted, I will also watch a John Grisham movie anytime, any day. Uh, Set in the South about um, two white men, good old boys, 
um, rape and beat and hang a 10-year-old girl, black girl, and her father, played by Samuel L. Jackson, uh, shoots them. And then this, the story is the story of the trial of this man for the deaths of these two boys, who were also men. We, they called them boys a lot, but they were 23. Mm-hmm. They were fucking men. They were grown-ass men. Um, it's a two-hour and 45-minute, very sweaty courtroom drama that deals very heavily with race. The Ku Klux Klan is heavily involved. The whole time I'm watching this movie, I forget when it is taking place. Because in rural areas, time is almost imperceptible. Yeah. Um, and then at one point, something like an hour and 15 minutes in, they talk about something that happened 10 years before, and that was 1985. Yeah. And this movie takes place in the year of our Lord, 1995. And if you want to tell me that this country is not racist, yeah. watch this fucking movie. So, because you are wrong. Right. Because this movie feels like it takes place in 1940, and it absolutely 100% does not. I was 15 years old yeah. when the when this movie takes place. And it is not untrue Mm -hmm. this is a thing that could and would still happen it's deeply upsetting it's also the cast is fucking bananas in this movie the cast is ridiculous these are actors who are on the verge of stardom who suddenly within i think 10 years of this movie being made they wouldn't be able to afford any of yes it stars matthew mcconaughey sandra bullock sam l jackson Patrick McGowan, Oliver Platt, Kiefer Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Oh, I forgot. They're both in there. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd is in it. Charles Dutton, Chris Cooper. Yes. It's just like Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith, that's right. Anthony uh, Heald. It's just, it goes. The, the cat, like every time someone comes on screen, you're like, holy shit. Once again, it's a two hour and 45 minute Octavia movie. Octavia Spencer, I forgot. Octavia that Spencer in it. is in it. She's vi- like, because there's too many people. In it. <laughs> there's too um, many people to be in the movie. So, this movie, it's so, I don't know how it didn't win Best Picture, honestly. Right. It deals with very intense subject matter right it shows some things that maybe you don't want to say it's not explicit it's not explicit um but there are crosses burning Mm -hmm. there are racial epithets absolutely um there is yes deep racism shown but this movie takes place in 1995 in the united states of america if you don't understand that there's a race problem in this country watch this movie If you do understand that there's a race problem in this movie, or in this country, watch this movie. This a, movie is so good. It is a good, solid courtroom drama, and the and it would have been with anybody, I think, with the way that it was written and directed. But the fact that it has this amazing cast just elevates it to yeah, where... The ca- and and yeah. you will be in all... You'll be like, holy shit, how did they Everyone get all these people? Everyone has a moment. Yes. Every one of these actors is able to steal a moment. The fact that Samuel Jackson looks... He looks... They aged him so that he looks older than he is today. Right. And that's funny because you're going, that's the same guy. You really begin to appreciate the versatility of Samuel Jackson because 
He's reached that point also, in his career. Also, he's not doing Simon Sam Jackson. Jackson in this he's movie. He's reached a point in his career where he's like Christopher Walken or something, where yes. you get called on to do Samuel Jackson, mm. right? But he doesn't need to do that, he, and he doesn't do that and here. And he doesn't do that here. It's yeah. like you're getting to say, oh, this is the reason why he, he is who he is, the reason why he gets the recognition that he does. He's an amazing actor, and everyone is an amazing actor in here. It's something else, really. It's a remarkable movie. Yeah. So I recommend that. Right now it's streaming on Dish if you've mm. got Dish. Um, I don't know where I saw Oh, it's on HBO now, I think. So if you've got HBO, it's available. But it's it's a movie that's been out for a while, so you right. should be able to get, yes. get to it. If you have not seen it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Don't watch <laughs> Creepshow 2. Yeah, don't. But it's, watch The Time to Come. It's full of a bunch of creeps. And, and like I said, people want to say that they're... This is in America. This racism is in America. Right. But, uh, y'all, it is. It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And we can fix it. Yeah. But it is. Maybe that's the best note to take away. We can fix it. We can fix it. But we have to admit it first. So right. the first step is admitting I don't you have, have a cancer. problem. I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. That's not how you fix cancer. That's not how you fix cancer. Turns out, no, you have to actually say, I. well, I didn't. I don't. I think I said it. Yes, you did. I did. You said it to me. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, y'all, that was a go. I don't have cancer yes. now. Sorry. Okay. That wasn't me breaking a thing. I had cancer 15 years ago. That seems high. <laughs> 10 uh, years ago. We've known each other that long, I guess. <laughs> I know, but I it was 10 years We're ago. We're pals. Um, yes. Pards. 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 Okay. That brings us to the end. Next week, we're watching The Running Man. I'm excited. I've never seen it. I've never seen it, but it has a lot of action stuff in it, and it has uh, one of my favorite back-in-the-day professional wrestlers, Professor Toru Tanaka. Please understand that we recorded this off of Sundance, so it may be a TV edit that we watch, but right. that is what and is I available, really, and that really is what we are watching. I really sincerely wish that we'd watch a TV edit of Creepshow 2. But I know, right? Also, oh, by the way, the sexual assault. unnecessarily graphic special effects at times. Like, there's just a, especially the raft thing. There's a lot of burning faces and things. It's like, yeah. I really want to get it across that this thing is bad. It's not yeah. just a tarp, y'all. It's not just a right. tarp. Except it's definitely just a tarp. Yep. And okay. I think maybe it was because I had just seen The Stranger Things uh, season finale where they do a blob creature really, 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 really well. well. Yeah, and then no, here it yeah. is. It's a bit of a letdown. Here's a tarp with stuff stuck on it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, The Running Man from 1987 starring... Arnold Schwarzenegger. You got it. So, that's what we'll watch next week. And Richard Dawson, A Family Feud. Oh, Lord, that's right. Yes. Playing a game show host, which I think was probably very clever casting at the time. All right, okay. I think that's everything. Should people take their medicine? I remind you to take your medicine. Oh, there we go. I think people should take their medicine. I also should take my medicine. Avoid rafts and avoid, like, you know, creepy guys. Also, be careful when you're arriving in the rain. Please don't mush anybody. Yes. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.